Oh, Cam- Camilla, where's that tampon? Hello. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> What's going on here then? <laughs> oh, I did sound like a bobby, didn't I? All right. All, All right, right, governor. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> oh, sorry, look. I'm back in the room. It's Geordie. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. I'm Michelle. Hi. You're Michelle. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Michelle any other way without the robe. You've got the robe on. I do have the robe back on. And I have the winter robe. Before I had the washed linen oh. summer robe. Was it a shorty robe? Yes. Now we also have snow on the mountain. Ah. So the winter robe is coming out. Wonderful. And it's on my body. But I need a new one because this one's looking really scabby. Sorry, you have to look at that. Robe <laughs> manufacturers out there, please get in touch. Michelle needs a new robe. And we do talk about it. So bring it. Bring it on. Bring it on. So what have you been up to this week? Uh, I've just had my guinea pigs removed from the room that I record this podcast in because last week I was saying things like shut up and people might have thought I was saying it to you but I wasn't I was talking to the guinea pigs that were in the room making a terrible racket they vibrate they do all sorts of weird things then somebody brought a dog and put it in and then there was kids screaming and all sorts so I've told everyone to leave me the hell alone please I'm having a conversation with my friend you can eavesdrop if you like but only afterwards so that's that. And this week, let me think, what, what have I done this week, Michelle? A lot. You know, I'm working as a declutterer now, so I was doing that. How is that? Are you enjoying it? I love it. Are you enjoying it. throwing away other people's shit? I adore it. I'm actually not even throwing away other people's shit. I am putting it on eBay to sell for them. Oh, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? The feeling of Christmas is coming. It's I coming. But it. guess what, Michelle? Why? Apparently, there'll be no food at Christmas here in the UK because of uh, supply line problems thanks to Brexit. Thanks, everyone, for voting to leave. Yes. I wanted to tell you that, actually, give you a little heads up. I had it on very good authority that there will 100% be a beer shortage in oh. the UK because when the transport supply chain people are looking at what they can put on a truck, they are going to be not prioritizing food well they're going to be prioritizing food and beer will not be part of that because they don't earn enough money on it and it takes up a lot of space in the delivery vans so guys this is a tip from the top get out there buy your beer now because it's all going to go and you're not going to get more Apparently, the shelves are already empty and it's only bloody halfway through October. Well, that's because everyone's going doing panic buying. And do you know what, yeah. Geordie? Stock up We'd your freezer. Her. You really should. I mean, your freezers are full anyway. but They are full. We're fully stocked. <laughs> no, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare what's going on with all the... That it, is a nightmare. The supply chains are broken and it is because yeah. of Brexit. Yeah, thank so, you. So, um, did anyone get back to you after last week's episode about Natalie Wood and Princess Diana's mysterious death? Oh, only my sister who said she remembers those bullies and she said, yes, it was a moment of sister solidarity. She's oh, very yeah. happy. Yeah, yes, because so. we spoke about bullying last week as well. Yes, and I had a text from Wiz who was thrilled with her oh, shout-out. Oh, shouts for Wiz. Isn't she lucky? Have you got any <laughs> other shout-outs? Shout-outs? I, I can't think. <laughs> so, Moosh. Geordie. Tell me, what have we got today? What's on the shelf? Well, do you remember last week you yeah. had mentioned that Samira 
the modern mystic. Modern mystic. She had gotten in touch with you about this story of a guy claiming to be the secret love child of Charles and Camilla. That's right, Michelle. And you know what, Tamira, who is, if anybody's a regular listener, Tamira is an old friend of ours in Sydney, Australia. She is a modern mystic, exactly what Michelle said. She does things like your numbers. She does your (laughs) star signs and your moon signs. She does your feng shui. She does your hen parties. She does your life. I, I really want to get this thing done that she does the life goals workshop. It's a workshop. That sounds amazing. I know. Tamira.com. She does the calendar as well. Moon Lover's Guide, it's called. Moon Lover's Guide. She's amazing. She's yeah. amazing. Very, very spot on. Very, very accurate. Spot and on. great predictions. So yeah. Things well, to look forward to. Thanks, Tamira. So, um, yes, Tamira is a regular contributor to this podcast. And thanks to her, we've got so many great stories. So she deserves her own jingle. So Michelle, did you look into this story about Charles and not Charles yeah, Charles and Camilla, wasn't it? Love Charles Charles. and Camilla. Well What a scoop. Well, since she brought it to our attention, the story has blown up in the media. Has it? Yes, yes. And there was even a segment on ITV's This Morning with your favourite Holly Willoughby and Phil Phil Schofield. Yes. Where the man claiming to be Charles and Camilla's son phoned in an interview from his home in Brisbane. And I'm telling you, it was hysterical. He's got this crumpled Australian flag behind him. So he hasn't even ironed it. It's like wow. it's, it's like some rinky dink bloody flag behind him. From and a pound shop. Yeah, exactly. And I'm telling you, this interview, it turned into absolute mayhem at the end. No. Yeah. But for those of you who don't know the story, I'll just I'll fill you in on, on okay, the details. I can't wait. So fifty five year old Simon Charles Durante Day, that's his name. Right. He has apparently spent decades trying to prove that he is the abandoned child oh. of Prince Charles and Camilla Parker Bowles. Now, yeah. he was born in England and he grew up in the seaside town of Portsmouth. Have you been there? Portsmouth is at the other end of the A3. It's a, mm. like if, And I'm on the A3, so you just keep driving. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's down so, south. Yes. And it's meant to be gorgeous. Portsmouth is meant to be lovely, ah. isn't it? Okay. Well, it's near. It's, really new, it's kind of near the New Forest. It's nice around there. It's nice yeah. around the New Forest. I haven't been into Portsmouth. I must go. All right. Shall we do that? Let's do it. All right. And so this guy, Simon, he says his adopted grandmother told him straight out Camilla was his mother back in 1988. And How like, old was he when she told him that? Well, apparently he had been told that his whole life. Oh, oh, he'd been told it all his life. Right, yes. sorry. But, yeah. then it, but then he says that in some interviews and then in other v- interviews uh, he he says that she told him on her deathbed. So I don't know. There's a few oh, things that don't add up. Confession. Yeah, mm. a few things that don't add up here. But then, look, he's splashed all over the media. His 
air quotes, evidence that proves he's their son. And look, over the years, he's actually sent the the royal family correspondence. You mentioned this last week. Yeah. um, That has been received by them. And he's even gone to court over the claims that he's making. But neither Charles or Camilla have ever responded to his claims. So he's now using the media to put his story across. And I have to say, at the beginning of of the this morning interview, I actually thought he seemed quite credible because <laughs> he, you know, he he seemed quite calm. He seemed quite factual. Um, Hang on, how old is Charles? Oh, that's a good point. Because I was just thinking as you're talking that Harry and Willops are <laughs> in their thirties, aren't they? Yes. So let's do the time. I'm not going to be able to do the maths, but put it this way. This guy says he was conceived in 1965 and that would have made Charles 16 or 17. Oh, for God's sake. He hadn't even met Camilla at that point, probably. Well, I'm going to get on to all of that. Okay, Michelle, our our intrepid reporter, Michelle Margarita. I've done my investigations. Here we go. (laughs) So, according to Simon, he was born on April 5, 1966. Right. In Gosport, Portsmouth, in the UK. And when he was eight months old, he was adopted by Karen and David Day. And again, according to Simon, his adoptive grandparents, Ernest and Wilfred, Winifred, sorry, Winifred, great name. But no one's called Winnie anymore. I love that name. I think yeah. it's lovely. Winifred Bolden worked for the Queen and Prince Philip in one of the royal households in 1965. Now, he has never said which royal household, so it's just a floating royal household. So it could be Princess Michael of Kent's royal household. Who bloody knows? But anyway. Some B-list. Could be. Could not, it might not even be one of the A-list. It might be the one in Scotland, although unlikely. But Who's anyway. the one in Scotland? Isn't there one in Scotland? Don't they and have... you just said, I like him. No, Who I said, he? unlikely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And I like him. I like him. Oh, no, I like him. I like him. Unlikely. Where's ben, it, where's ben Mendelssohn, by the way? Where, ben, where are you, Ben? Where are you, Ben? He hasn't been in touch, well, ever. But ever. I just, I miss him. I miss him. I miss little, you, Ben. I miss you, Ben, too. What made you think of Ben just face. right now? Oh, I think, was he, a, he played a royal. Oh, he did. Yes, he yeah. did. He played King... He played the Queen's dad, didn't she? Didn't he? Yes. In and the Queen's, the King's speech. The <laughs> King. What's wrong with my speech? In the King's speech, yes. And actually, Geordie, for anyone who hasn't seen this, go to our YouTube channel because didn't you do a, a voiceover, a Ben Mendelsohn voiceover? <laughs> No, you did. What did I do to the king's you speech? You did. No, I did. I did a voiceover. Oh, no, I did the king's speech. Yes, <laughs> you did that one, and I That's did. Right. I did him in um, all that all one where he's a gangster and he kills somebody. Mine was um, used to better watch out. We don't like Hendersons around here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do miss you, Ben. Anyway, go. So back to back to Simon Durante Day. So Ernest and Winifred. So he was apparently a gardener. Grandmother was a cook, or at least that's what he was told for the royal household, right? 
And when Simon was born, he thinks that his grandparents were sort of entrusted by the royals to look after him because it would have been too much of a royal scandal for Charles and Camilla to have had a Who baby conceived him? out of wedlock. Oh, please so pay attention, Georgie. I am so sorry. Who adopted him? Karen and David Day, right, yeah. were his parents. The grandparents were Ernest and Winifred Bowden. They worked for the Queen as a gardener and a cook – the Queen gave Simon to the grandparents who gave the baby to Karen and David. To their children. Yes, to look okay. after. Okay. Got that? Yes. No, you don't. I can see your face. You look confused. No, okay, I get it now. So he's saying that he was adopted in Portsmouth, that he was given to the grandparents initially. That's what he thinks. And then the grandparents who worked for the Queen... So yes. he's saying that the Queen gave the baby to the grandparents and the grandparents then said, well, we're too old to look after this baby. Here you go, kids. Have a baby on us. Yes. He's a royal. Yes. Look after him. Yeah, wondering who his bloody parents are. Yeah. So he, so basically, like I said before, he reckons his grandmother has told him loads of times that he was the son of Charles and Camilla. Really? And the thing is, he really, really believes it. And... You know, he also says that his grandfather, Ernest, received an Imperial Service Award. And it was so funny. On this morning, Philip is trying to be all like a hard-ass journalist. And he's there saying to him, <laughs> so your grandfather received this Imperial Service Award, but it's uh, it's not listed in any of the records. Uh, can't find that one. And poor old Simon, he's, he's there and he's like, hmm, okay. And... To be honest, if the this morning research crew can spend five minutes and find no evidence of this imperial service record, this guy who's been investigating his lineage for decades surely knows that his his grandfather didn't get this award. But anyway, so I it, that was a bit of like loss of credibility number one for me, right? And that, then he goes on. Schofield could undermine him. Undermine exactly, him. <laughs> exactly. And then he goes on to tell this story of Camilla and a man in a naval uniform visiting him when he was six years old in Portsmouth. And he overheard his adopted mother and grandmother talking about how the visits, they've got to stop because he's going to remember them. And then he claims to have been taken to a house where Camilla and Charles were waiting for him. And he remembers a grandfather clock and playing with toys. And the man saying, well, we're buggered now. And that's how he says it. Ah, we're buggered now. And I thought, can you actually imagine Charles gonna... <laughs> saying that? Because Ew, we're buggered now. And doesn't buggered Ew. actually mean something different? Oh, Camilla, where's that tampon? Oh my god. Where did you put it? (laughs) Sorry. I'm gonna get in trouble. (laughs) So I just thought and the way honestly, I really can't do it. Ah, we're buggered now. He was so (laughs) estranged in the way he said it, and I just thought Charles is never saying we're buggered. (laughs) Buggered up the arse, Camilla. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know how much credence I give that memory. He, this guy Simon, then talks about this weird episode and it's all about eye colour changing. So he says he was born with blue eyes, but the royal family was so intent on keeping his identity a secret and not have him 
having him recognised by anyone in the public, that they forcibly changed his eye colour from blue how to did, brown when he was eight do do years old. What? Yes. He That's also insane. I know, I know. He How? Well, he says uh, he was forcibly held down Fuck and enough. an optometrist did something weird to his eyes, injected his iris with something. Oh, my God. He also says a dentist filed down his teeth so he didn't have pointed little incisors like Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> so, and he said this on this morning. And he was like, it's because of the gossip around Portsmouth at the time. I don't think they had any choice but to do that. Oh, my goodness. This guy's a fantasist. And he remembers being in pain for three months and walking around in the shadows. And because of that, he now has vision problems. And then oh Philip Schofield interjects saying... Um, that's an extraordinary claim that, you know, that the royals, when you were eight years old, tampered with your eye colour, the colour of your iris. And then he said, and then Phil's like, oh, well, you know, Holly has blue eyes and she doesn't have any claims to royalty. So, what? you know, she, do you know what I I'm like, I know, oh, it was just, it's just insane. What did and, Holly say? And Holly's looking at him going, mm, mm, <laughs> thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> but it's just, honestly, it's, it's, it all goes a bit, a bit left. Jesus. Left of centre. Left of centre. But he's been quite passive aggressive, actually, with this guy. Who? Philip. Philip. He's being passive aggressive oh. with Simon. But Simon's taking it all very well, being very calm. And then Phil goes on to say, listen, we've spoken to a very prestigious eye doctor at Moorfields Eye Hospital and they don't know of any procedure that can change your eye colour. Right. But he says, we're not saying it can't be done. But, you know, in early 1973, 74, when you're claiming this happened, um, you know, it's a little a little iffy. So, yeah, I I think that's like another credibility dip right there yes I think so did they address the age discrepancy well I'm coming to that because then can't wait yeah it it moves on to yeah the claim that he was conceived in 1965 I need to I need to watch this morning more often with Phil and Holly I don't think you do but I'll put a link to this sounds like a lot of fun well it was I mean it just descended into mayhem but (laughs) <laughs> if, at, at, but at this point in the in the interview, uh, he's he goes on to say he was conceived in 1965, and look, I I did some duck duck going, of mm-hmm. my own, and um, Simon reckons in another interview that his own research has shown him that Charles and Camilla had a little you know something something in 1965, and then he says months later in the lead up to his birth. Camilla disappeared from the social scene for nine months and Charles was sent to Australia and he says that's because of the pregnancy but Mm. I can't find any evidence of this online and I don't I mean I can't back it up and you know I'm not friends with anyone who knows any royals so it's not like I can ask anyone but who knows maybe maybe not That's something that maybe will come out in the wash if it's true. Hmm. But Philip Schofield, and look, he's trying to be polite at this point, but he's kind of aggressive. Uh, He points out that the royal commentators, like you say, didn't, uh, that Charles and Camilla didn't meet until 1970 at a polo Mm. match. And that's been quite widely, widely reported for a long time. But then 
that is also a little bit disputed, but I'll get onto that in a minute. Because then Holly goes on to address all of these bizarre pictures that are flying around the internet right now that Simon has put out, comparing himself to all the royals. Okay. So basically, there's a picture of his grandson. Okay, and and he's he's married to maybe like an islander or a Fijian lady. Okay. So he's got this picture of his grandson in a pose like this. Uh, and similar to the queen and he's like it's a spitting image. It's bloody not. It's not like such a stretch. And then there's another one where he's obviously gone onto like FaceApp or something and he's cut half of his granddaughter's face and merged it with the face of Princess Charlotte, who is the daughter oh. of Kate and Wills. Yeah. And honestly, like, it's, again, it's just weird. And he's oh like, look at God. this, the proof's undeniable. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm denying it. So it's just it's <laughs> crazy. And then there was another one of him looking like uh, William. But he doesn't. Yeah. And he, he doesn't. doesn't look like Charles. Actually, but when you see pictures of him when he was young, he does look a little bit like Harry. Harry and Camilla oh. mixed together. But anyway, mm. that was, I guess that, that could have been before or after he had his pointy little teeth filed out. <laughs> I don't know. But I'll put these pictures <laughs> in the show notes and people can see what they think. But okay. I'm not convinced. And and Phil's there going, oh, it's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stretch, mate. But anyway, he goes on to say that he's um, instigated this official government inquiry into his parentage mm-hmm. because basically what he wants is for Charles and Camilla to take a DNA test to prove one way or another. And the thing is, like, they're not going to do it. They're not going Why to. Why the fuck would they ever take yeah. A DNA test. But what he's trying to get is the courts to demand it. Wow. That's what he wants. So that's what all his court cases have been about. Finding out what okay. his legal standing is and what his rights are to demand a DNA test from the two of them. What do you think, Michelle? Is he a fantasist? Yeah, I do. But he mm. says, I believe there's enough evidence for the courts to compel a DNA test. So, right. you know, I don't think there is for him because he's he's putting these dodgy photos, <laughs> these Photoshop photos as evidence and it's so not. But anyway. Someone's been in lockdown a little bit too long. Yeah, but this I has going, been going on for decades. Oh, has and, it? Okay. Yeah, he's been trying to get this for a long time. So, and he says, and these are his words, my family's been through enough. I've been through enough. As I've always said, I'm simply a man who spent decades living for my biological looking for my biological parents and every road has led me to Charles and Camilla. I want to have a relationship with them, with William and Harry. But most of all, I want answers for my family. We are owed that. You know what? I I now feel very um, sorry for for him. I feel sad because, Mm. you know, I'm adopted and I know how that feels when you don't know where... You come from. I mean, exactly. And you can... It can lead to fantasizing about your origins. You can think, you know, the very, very worst things. You can think the very, very best things. What if, what if, what if? Wouldn't it be great if Billy Idol was my dad or whatever, you know? But it's probably more likely to be Angus Young. But hey, let's find out. And if you can't find out, then 
it's frustrating and then it might it leads to maybe a little bit of you know not psychosis but brain yeah and then you start to believe you might you might start to invent your own history and then you might start to believe it but I personally don't think that this has got any ground. I wish that he could instead go to Adoption Triangle or the government and do his own searches because it's very, very easy to do that. Well, I'm sure he probably has, but he's basically saying that it's all been covered up. So I did other right. research which found that the place where he's saying he was born, the hospital, they never recorded a single birth in the decade that he, that he was, born. was born. And That's that queer. there are apparently fictitious names on his real birth certificate. So oh. he's coming up against a lot of dead ends. Wow. And, okay. you know, and like you say, I, I mean, on one hand, I do feel, I feel for him because he clearly just wants to know who he is and where he's yeah. where he's come from and honestly like when I'm when I need a bit of shit TV or I just need a good cry I go onto ITV and there's some terrible like who do you think you are show or whatever with yeah. um oh what's her name with the dark hair who used to host Davina Big Brother McCall. Davina and she's got all these people and she brings them together she finds yeah. everything and I'm always in tears and in bits at the end of those Me programs. too. Yeah I'm always crying they're so emotional and but so I do understand that people feel really distraught at, at not knowing yeah. I mean you know my mum had this too I was, we'll talk about this in another episode I need to check that she's okay with me talking about it but yeah. she spent her pretty much her entire life not not knowing her origins or who her family were so it really does take a toll I think it does and imagine Michelle not knowing like not only so you don't not knowing but what would be even worse would Mm. be if you thought that you were one thing you thought you knew your family history and where you came from but then only to find out later on that you didn't yeah well theme who's the daddy there you go who's but the daddy who's the daddy but but this poor guy I mean he's on he's on this show and Phil's there just like being quite quite mean to him to be honest and he's saying you bastard and he's saying you know like oh your court case is kicked out and and then Holly and Phil bring out the big guns they get Robert Jobson who is the royal biographer on mm-hmm to talk with Simon live. And this is when it turns into a shit show. But he, I mean, he just basically shoots down every claim. So he's like, yeah, this guy obviously really believes it, but it's a story. It's a story. It's not real. Mm. And he's like, the dates don't add up. And even though he, it was apparently, like we talked about, widely reported that Charles and Camilla met at a polo match. He says they actually met at Camilla's friend Lucia's flat a little earlier than 1970 but definitely not 1965 and he goes on to say you know Charles was 16 at the time that Simon was meant to be conceived and he he thinks you know the worst he was doing was probably you know sneaking a swig of his father's rum or something so you know he's not he was never a bad boy and um and he says over the years loads of people have written in to the palace saying, I am the illegitimate child of this royal or that royal. So, you Mm. know, they get this a lot. 
And he said all these dark secrets about having eye color changed and the teeth filed down at 15. You know, it sounds like a James Bond movie. It doesn't sound real. And then they all, then this guy loses his shit. Simon starts yelling and then Robert Jobson starts yelling and then Simon's yelling and Holly's there. And then the wife. Holly's crying. (laughs) And (laughs) And then Simon's wife starts chiming in going, can't even hear what she's saying, but she's saying something like, just believe it. You're fucking dickheads. <laughs> Just believe it, you fucking dickheads. You pommy. See you next Tuesday. Oh, man. And oh, my goodness. Just, it is just chaos and... Yeah, so, and then it just cuts dead. Like the interview just cuts dead. So, it went wrong. Yeah, so so it was all just chaos. But, you know, when I was doing more duck duck going for this, I, I just, you know, I found a few things that, you know, mm. he reckons that Camilla kept him until he was eight months old and the royals used their bodyguards to cover up the baby and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it, it there's a lot. There's a lot. And... It, Poor guy. Yeah, and and I do I do feel for him, and he says that his middle name is Charles, and that his adoptive mother told him that it was a condition of the adoption that he keeps the name Simon Charles because there were, apparently Charles and Camilla had a close friend called Simon at the time, but obviously again I oh I can't verify that. Yeah, but. What I did find was an article about Miller Shand. That's what she was known when she was a kid. Everyone called her Miller. They called Camilla Miller. Miller Shand, as she was known back in the day. And it was all about the night she apparently lost her virginity, right? So there's this Daily Mail article with a picture of her at 17. And do you know what? She was fucking gorgeous. And everyone, you know, like slags her off and says she was no beauty. But actually, she was stunning. There are these pictures of her when when she was younger and she just looked really just beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, it was – this article was about when she was 17. So, 1965 because she's a year older than Charles, right? And it was on the night of her coming out into society. And she's in this beautiful black – chiffon dress which actually is quite badly sewn but it's yeah black and she you know she just looks really young and pretty and this whole article goes on to say that she sort of was a bit of a bad girl at school who just wanted to have Mm -hmm. fun and she was the the girl she was the cool girl at school she was the one on the roof sneaking ciggies at the private girls school she was interested in boys and she was basically just shagging around and that's why the royals did not want her for Charles. Her to marry Charles. Because right. she wasn't a virgin and therefore she was not fit to be Charles's wife. Oh, God. So, and this is my own personal theory, maybe what happened was Camilla maybe did get knocked up, but it wasn't yeah. Charles it wasn't who was Charles the baby daddy. Not. Maybe yeah. Simon Duran today just is the child of Camilla. But not Charles. And maybe Charles used his connections to help her or maybe, yep. I mean, look, you know, Camilla has her own links to high society. So mm-hmm. maybe all of this stuff, it has nothing to do with the royal family. Maybe Camilla is involved somehow. I don't mm-hmm. know. but Good theory. Yeah. 
But, you know, look, no, like we said before, no member of the royal family is ever going to de- take a, a DNA test because, no. you know, the, the public have been calling for that for years with Harry and because they all think he's the, the son of the other one, the redhead. James. James Hewitt. And, Hewitt. And this thing is if they've kept this secret this long, they're going to keep keep on keeping that secret. So mm. there you go. There's my theory. Amazing. Amazing, Michelle. That is a really good story. Now that's a sweet rag. Juice dropper. Now that's a sweet rag. Juice dropper. I'm confused. Don't, Don't drop your juice. Juice dropper. Do you know what? It reminds me of something because obviously, we, you know, who's the daddy? I've got a little story here. It's only small. I've got a few small stories for you. I'm excited, excited to, to okay. hear what you've well, got. Well, don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. I'm going to tell you about Syrian immigrant Abdufala Jandali, who moved to the US after living in Beirut as a student. He was actually born in Syria. Okay. But then he was in Lebanon. And he then he moved to the US where he met an American woman of German descent and her name was Joanne Schiebel. And Joanna's father was very upset with this relationship between them because Jandali was a Muslim, despite being non-practicing. He was very intelligent. Both mm-hmm. of them were very highly educated, but they had a relationship and then Joanne became pregnant and Joanne's father insisted on her giving up the baby for adoption. Okay. So... She went to this uh, home front where mothers or whatever, and they kind of helped her to organize the adoption. Yeah. And the first choice, uh, parents were chosen very carefully for their background. She wanted them to be Catholic because that, that's what her family were. Mm-hmm. Wealthy, educated. Education was an absolute must for her. Yeah. Uh, she even, she insisted that, you know, the parents need to be college, university educated. And at the last minute, this, these first choice parents pulled out. They decided they wanted a girl. So the baby, because they had a boy, the baby was given to another couple. The next one's down the list. Unfortunately, they did not have a college education, so they almost missed out. But they promised to give their child a university education. Now, Paul and Clara Jobs then named their little baby Steve. And then he grew up in a lovely kind of very... Not what he would have grown up in. Yeah. It was, you know, lovely, loving, middle class, working people. He loved his family very much. And because he was living with those people, he and they were living in Silicon Valley area as it was becoming Silicon Silicon Valley. Yeah. He ended up finding jobs with Hewlett Packard. And through that, he met the other Steve. What's his name? Wozniak, who he then went on to found Apple with. Amazing. So without that. You know, without being there at that time, he d- he did go to university, but he dropped out. And he always knew he was much smarter than his his adopted parents too. Yeah. But the awfully sad thing is that Joanne and Abdufala, otherwise known as John, I think he ended up calling himself. Yeah. They stuck together and they had <gasps> the baby. Oh. They did eventually break up. And I think because uh, Janali was moving around a lot. Yeah. So... That happened, but um, Steve Jobs then managed to meet his sister, Mona Simpson, who is an author in America. Okay. She was, uh, yeah, she was Janali, Mona Janali, but now she is Mona Simpson. And he met her when she was 27. Now, she wrote a book which was turned into a film in 1986 called Anywhere But Here. 
Okay. Starring Susan Sarandon and Natalie Portman. I was going to say, I remember the title of that. The stories are very much based on her mother. And then there's another one she wrote. I can't remember what that was called, but she said that was about her father. So it's all based on her own life, Mona. But Steve never really wanted to meet his father, despite huh. the father always getting in touch. And he didn't have much contact with his birth mother. He remained absolutely devoted to his parents, to his, um, to his adopted parents. And he said that they were his parents a thousand percent. That is gorgeous. I had no idea he was adopted. I, yeah. That is amazing. Now he would have stayed with the family had the fa- has had his mother's family not intervened. Yeah. And then he may not have invented. Then we might not be talking to each other on these phones and using these laptops that no. we're using. But that's incredible because you do just feel like, you know, everything is for a reason. I mean, I believe this. I believe this. But that is amazing i wonder if he knew all the time that he was adopted or if he i think he did yeah i think that they were very yeah they were he wasn't lied to Mm. unlike poor eric clapton oh god what well his mother was 16 when he was born right she fell pregnant after a one night stand with a soldier so he never ever knew his father and when he was two years old she moved to canada and left him with his grandmother who raised him as her son oh right oh god so he nobody wanted him that's so sad. Know. His grandma did. His grandma did. And she absolutely doted on him. Yeah, but that's because no one else wanted him. He had to, well, it was forced was onto young. the grandmother. Yeah. She was off. But he, when he was nine, uh, his mum stroke sister, Pat, returned from Canada with these two new children. Oh, and by Jesus. then, little Eric had figured out that his mum was his nan. Hang on. What? That his mum was that his mum wasn't his nan. That his mum his nan was wasn't his, his mum. <laughs> yeah, that his nan wasn't his mum. And he asked Pat if he could call her mummy now, but she said no. <gasps> she refused. She said you have to go along with this pretense. Oh my Heartbreaking god. Heartbreaking for poor Eric. Oh. And it's it's theorized that that's how his womanizing came in, into effect because he figured out that he was able to hurt women in the way that his mother had hurt him. Oh bloody hell. Oh, and he grew up to be very selfish, apparently, as well. I don't know much about Eric Clapton. I know a bit about him. I loved Cream. Well, I only know about his baby falling out the window. Well, oh, that's very fucking sad. I know. They say that he grew up to be really selfish and he was spoiled rotten by the Nana Mum. Mm. He owned most of the toys. Like, he owned all the toys. He could have, you know, in the- <laughs> he had the most toys in the village, but he wouldn't let anybody play with them. Oh, okay. And as an adult... He got other people to do his dirty work, like sacking band members and taking his driving test. What? And, you know, he famously stole Patty Boyd, who was George Harrison's yes. wife. Yes. And then she brought a girl back one night, a friend, and he was hitting on her in front of Patty. He said, do you mind? Can't you see I'm trying to woo this lady here? <gasps> you know, this is after he stole, he broke up a gorgeous marriage God. with his of his best friend's marriage. George Harrison was his best friend at the yeah. time. But then he did, after years of excess and womanising, he did lose his little boy, Connor, who was four, and he cleaned up his act after that. It was absolutely tragic. Because he wrote that song, didn't he? Tears in Heaven, yeah. And then, somehow, there's another little fact, he ended up with his grandmother's parrot, who was only taught to say, where's Eric? So he had a parrot. (laughs) Where's Eric? And only said that. Where's Eric? (laughs) Where's Eric? I mean, there's there's tons of celebrities that have been adopted or didn't know about the parentage jamie fox for example his mother was adopted and 
she ended up giving him to her adopted parents to raise. So he was raised by his adopted grandparents and oh always God. wondered what happened to my parents, what happened to my parents. Eventually he did get into contact with them. Yeah. But I think he was he was quite damaged by it. But I think the nana, the grandma, was really, really devoted to him. Awkward. Ox. Jack Nicholson, who was almost he was almost forty by the time he discovered that his sister June was actually his mother. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. She got pregnant, right, in 1936 by her boyfriend, Don, who was all, all already married. He was already married to another woman. So June's mother, Ethel May, threatened Don with something called the Man Act, M-A-N-N, which was a law to curb the trafficking and, trafficking and prostitution of minors. Oh. So she threatened him with that, and he just backed right off, and he was gone. So June was 18 years old, and then she left when... Four years later, when Jack was four years old, mm. to become a showgirl, she moved to L.A., okay. to Hollywood. Years later, Jack decided he wanted to try his hand at making it in Hollywood. So he thought, well, I know my sister June's there. Why don't I go and hang out with her and join her? So he did. And he got himself a little job in an office of an animation office in MGM Studios. And because of his looks and charm... yeah. He was, he was spotted pretty quick and encouraged to take acting lessons. So by the age of 37, when he'd just completed filming Chinatown, Time magazine were running a profile on him. Yeah. So he got this call from a, a researcher who told him that his father was still alive and well, because he wasn't raised, there was no man in his life really, apart from an uncle shorty. Right. So he was told that his father was alive and well in New Jersey before he dropped the bombshell that Ethel May was not his mother but his sister June was. <gasps> Poor Jack Nicholson. Was, he was absolutely floored, begged them not to run the article while he went to family members to unearth the truth because oh sadly both God. June and Ethel May were dead by the time what? this had come out. No. Couldn't ask them. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a blow. And he never knew. And they never told Until 37. Him. And they yet to yeah. find out by bloody time fact checkers. Yeah. Fucking hell. Terrible, isn't it? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine how that must feel to have a bombshell like that dropped on you. It'd be heartbreaking. Hell. Especially too, because if he had known, he would have probably made much bigger effort to to connect with his sister slash mum. You know, the, mm. and all the questions he would have asked. To find out after they died would be very, very hard, I think, yeah. Oh, well, poor Jack Nicholson, because that must have yeah. been horrible. Because you, you have one origin story... And then you find out your whole life is is based I on know. a lie. God. Terrible. Well, I I did a little research into um, a very gorgeous actress from the nineties, Liv Tyler, and this was I mean very this was splashed all over the media at the time. But I mean, I, it, it was I think it all came to light when she was in that movie, Stealing Beauty. Do you remember that film? Didn't see it. It was set in Tuscany in this gorgeous Italian villa. And I just remember watching it at the time. It was so beautiful. The film was so beautiful. And she was breathtakingly stunning. Yeah. I mean, and that was when sort of the whole world sort of took an interest in her. And, you know, and it was revealed way back then at, at the time that she grew up not knowing who her, who her real dad was. So she was born... On the 1st of July, 1977, and she was named Liv Rundgren because her mum, 
Bebe Buell. I don't even know if that's how you say it. Bebe. Bebe. Bebe or Bebe. Bebe Buell. Or Bebe Buell. I don't know. I don't. I think it's Bebe Buell. I think it's Bebe. She was a. She was like a, a rock groupie, wasn't she? She was. She was a super groupie, mm. and they say she was also a model and a Playboy playmate. Playboy bunny. Yeah, I'm sure, yes. yeah. And she was in this on again, off again relationship with Todd Rundgren, who yeah. sang. One of my all-time favourite songs. Is that him too? Can we still be friends? Oh my God. So what's your favourite song? And I saw the light in her eyes. Beautiful. Honestly, I didn't realise he did. Yeah, I love that. Can we still be friends? That's fantastic. Those two songs are absolutely gorgeous. He's amazing. So anyway, she... She grew up with, um, to, you know, his surname, Liv, Liv Rundgren. But the thing was, at the time Liv was born, BB and Todd were broken up. But they got back together and Todd decided he was going to put his name on Liv's birth certificate and nice. raise her as his own daughter, even though he knew that basically... She wasn't. Be- yeah, BB had shagged Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith. In 1976, and that Stephen Tyler was Liv's real dad. And then when Bibi had Liv, uh, she was 23. So not super young, but, you know, she was wild. She wanted to go and live life and whatever. So I think she sort of had a a bit of a, a crisis of conscience of what to do. But then she decided she was going to keep Liv and, uh, and that she was never going to tell her that Stephen Tyler was the father. And there's this wow. quote of from her in an interview where she says, if it ever became an issue, we decided we'd tell Liv at 18 who her real father was. But she didn't have to wait that long because, and I guess BB and Steve had obviously remained friends because yeah. when Liv was nine, BB took her to an Aerosmith gig and she was standing there on the side of stage and she saw... Stephen Tyler's other daughter, Mia Tyler, at the side of the stage. And she's Liv is quoted in the press as saying, it was literally like looking at my twin. And she just thought, who the fuck is this girl that looks exactly mm-hmm. like me? So she just said to her mother outright, like, why why does that girl look like me? Is 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 she my sister? And then, you know, are we related? And then it all came out and my goodness. Yeah, and she apparently Bibi sort of said that she didn't tell Liv that Stephen was her real dad because at the time Stephen was like massively like big drug addict and mm. he was in and out of rehab and he just didn't think she didn't think that Stephen would be a good influence in Liv's life. Yeah. But Whereas old steady safe safe pair of hands, Todd. Yeah, he stepped up to the plate. Can we still be friends? Yeah. I saw the light. <laughs> he did. And then apparently Stephen went through a massive stint in rehab and came out and was really quite devoted to his daughter, Mia. And then when he found out, because... Um, he didn't know either. No. No. Oh. Bibi had kept it from Stephen. That Liv ah. was Stevens, but once he found out, he really was really like passionately 
keen to start a, a relationship and be a father figure to live. So, um, yeah, he they end up having this really lovely relationship and yeah, he he they connected and then in 1991 she changed her surname to Tyler. And then mm. she appeared in the uh Aerosmith video for Crazy. I don't know if you remember that song. It's I uh, no, I don't. It's it's kind of more ballady. It's weird. It's not a great one. But I did go and have a look at the video and there's this girl in a in a school uniform jumping into a car. Turns around. Oh it's God. Alicia Silverstone. So right. she's in the in the video and then there's Liv Tyler, both of them in this car. And I mean, God, they are so beautiful. Really like the two most beautiful girls of the 90s. And then the video gets a bit creepy actually because oh, I was watching it and I was thinking, okay, so most parents would be looking at their daughters in this like get up thinking, you're not leaving the house wearing that. But yeah. Steve Tyler's like, Hey, Liv, wanna be in my wanna be in my video wearing first of all a schoolgirl outfit. Then she rips <laughs> off her clothes and then she strips down to the silver bra. And then she starts oh swinging God. on a stripper pole in a lesbian fantasy with Alicia Silverstone. So Oh my god. I just I don't know. It's a bit weird. It is a bit weird. Yeah. How old was she? Oh, she she must have been like sixteen. She's still at school. So it's it, and there's like a creepy guy at a gas station who's like perving on them and you're just like, mate, oh. that's your daughter. Anyway. And then he wrote uh I, I don't wanna miss a thing. Oh yes. For her movie Armageddon and you know, they've continued to have a really nice relationship. Yeah. But Rock Royalty. Rock royalty. But also, I mean, what happened to Liv Tyler? She's done nothing, really, I don't think. Or has she? She's been in things. Has she? Oh, look. Look, ask Ben Mendelsohn. He'll tell you she's been busy. She's been in lots of things. She's been in telly. Everyone does telly now. She's on telly. Okay. She's in all the Lord of the Rings. No, I don't know what she's done recently. And, and apologies <laughs> if she's bitch. had a career. I know I'm being a bitch. But, yeah, she's... So anyway, that's my that's my Liv Tyler story. Aww. So she she did find out who the daddy was in the end, and it all worked out really well, thank God for her. And apparently, she still has a very like close relationship with Todd. And she says that you know when she's with Todd and and he puts his arms around her, it feels like that's her dad. You know. Oh, so it's really that's nice. nice. It's really nice. They're my daddy stories. <laughs> There's plenty of them out there. I mean, also, you know, Ted Bundy, the serial killer, he says that he didn't know uh, who his father was. Jesus. He told all this to Anne Rule, who wrote the book A Stranger Beside Me. Okay. She was a, a colleague of his when he was, they were working at a crisis hotline, right? And there was, like, he was, again, he was raised believing that his mother was his sister. Oh, God. But I'm not sure how accurate that was because at some point you can read stories about him where it says that he was actually raised by his mother and a stepfather that he hated, who he took the name Bundy, because mm. his mother was named Louis, Louise Crowley and she was 22 when he was born. And there is some rumours about who his father was. One of them, though, is that it was her, her his grandfather. Oh, Jesus. So incest. Oh, yeah. God. But no one knows how accurate that is. And uh, obviously the parents are highly highly, highly religious. Mm. 
And they, it is said somewhere that the grandparents raised him as their adopted son and passing Louise off as his sister. So, but he knew that. Mm. I don't know when, but But this knows? happens a lot and not just, you know, celebrities. I know of at least two people who have had misplaced parentage like this. But yeah, it's so much more common, not in our generation, but definitely our parents and our grandparents' generations. Yes, and grandparents, yeah, yes. they're... Babies born out of wedlock, yep. huge shame on the family, yep. not able to give them up for adoption. So they end up just assimilating them into the family and passing them off as someone else's, yep. like, you know, grandma yeah. or whatever. It's ha- it happened a lot. It did. And I just feel so so fortunate that we, we live in a time where there is no shame having a baby out of wedlock. People do it all the yeah. time. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God, the shame. But, you know, it's just how it is. There is no there is no stigma to that. And I think no. we should be really feel very fortunate that, you know, we don't have to lie and cover up and hide babies Absolutely. and give babies away and, you know, pretend that somebody yeah. else is the baby daddy. And it, because, you know, all children, they just need love. They just need to be looked after. They do. Yeah. And it is... It is a nice basic right, basic human right to know where you've come from. And other people making that decision for you is never a nice feeling. No. So this whole thing with Simon Duran today, I'll keep everyone up to date because, like I said, he's really on the press trail at the moment to try and get these DNA tests. I don't think he'll be successful, but I think that it's not the last we've heard of of his claims. So, yeah, there you go. You know what? Thanks to Tamira for the idea for this uh, this week's episode. I Thank know. you. Thanks, Tamira. Any of you eavesdroppers who have ideas for stories and, and episodes, please get in touch because Michelle and I will talk about bloody well anything. We will. And if you have a story of your own that you want to share, please, yeah. we would love to tell your story in a sensitive and not take the piss way. So there you go. Yes. Yes, obviously, we'll give us that caveat. So this is sensitive. Please don't don't laugh at me. We just like to laugh. We do, we do. Oh, well, thank you for a great load of stories, Jordi. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for all your uh, deep diving that you did. <laughs> My duck, duck diving. On Durante. Yeah. Your duck, duck diving. Yeah. And I guess we'll just have to say to everybody, whatever you're doing this week, just don't forget to keep on eavesdropping. Eavesdropping, 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 